This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes, episode 322. I'm Chris Novembrino. With me, as always, is Jeff Hawkins. I like to call him Jeffy. <laughs> Jeez! Oh, boy, Jeff. We got a lot to talk about not here this to talk week. about. We, we had a lot, of, a lot to talk about. Now, a lot of people... They will sometimes say things about Hawk, and, and, and Hockey Jeffy does not like getting made fun of. Not. Wait, I was waiting for I was waiting for the made fun of echo back there. <laughs> Trying to time it. I know it's not it's not so working not. out. You're putting me. You know you've got me hosting now on the main show here. This is this is big stuff. Hosting. Here. Big development. Develop. Hosting. <laughs> yes. So Jeff, how are you? What's new? Uh, I. Fun week of Raw and SmackDown. Um, I'm doing okay overall. It's just uh, busy, busy, busy and trying to keep up with everything. Um, We are on the road to WrestleMania. You want to tackle some of the stuff on the news front to begin the show here? Bruce Pritchard, now part of creative. Arn Anderson out the door. Um, I'm more interested in Arn. What's up with Arn? Um, Apparently... There was an argument over something that happened at a house show. Depending on who you believe, he did something improper. Uh, That has not yet been confirmed, but uh, he and Vince had an argument. Arn got sent home, and Vince decided not to bring him back. So, that's interesting for for a few reasons. It's weird because everybody's like, well, maybe this coincides with with Pritchard coming in, but Arn had a different job. Arn was more of an agent rather than a story creative guy. Bruce Pritchard to me, and I've seen this in writer's rooms before. If you're on a show that's struggling or something, you bring in a guy that basically, I mean, I don't want to call him a yes man, even though he has that reputation because you don't know what that is, but there's a certain amount of comfort with someone where, He's going to be the one guy who's not really fighting you, even if he disagrees with you. You know, you know, the feeling where it's like, where it's like, why are all these people questioning all my decisions? Why can't you just say that it's good? Or why can't you just do your job? Oh, Bruce will come in and do it. And and Bruce will know the way to disagree with Vince where he doesn't feel, you know, attacked or something. That's what I, that was my first feeling when I heard the news. What are the type of ideas that a Bruce Pritchard might bring to the table with this current roster? Well, his knowledge is Attitude Era and before, so I'm thinking... See, to me, I think he's going to... I mean, I don't listen to something to wrestle with. I've heard a few episodes, but I'm not a regular listener. I think he exacerbates some of Vince's... He's going to be a voice of Vince, but probably a voice of Vince circa 1993, 1994. Maybe, maybe a little earlier. Maybe even a little earlier than that, okay. too. You know, do it bigger. You know, make it more... He's going to focus on sizzle, I think, in a lot of ways. Depending on whether or not... I mean... And look, we could be wrong. He could have been out of wrestling. I mean, he wasn't really out of wrestling. He was working with MLW, and he had worked with TNA 
So maybe he has his pulse more on modern wrestling in some ways, and his ideas will be more in tune with that rather than trying to basically buffer Vince's ideas to, you know, basically polish turds or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think this is the answer per se, but it, it'll make, it, it's so weird to me because it, I thought everybody seemed to think triple H. It feels like a stabilizing move. So at best it's loud. Yeah. But I mean, he had been, uh, consulting since January. With, with the Fed. So this is just more, I'm bringing you in for the everyday thing and I got a guy in the office now. You, you can't really say if it's good or bad just yet. It, it, it's it's too early. So then the other big news of the week, or I guess the biggest news of the week so far, is what opens up Monday Night Raw here. So you want to get into it? Yeah, Roman Reigns is in remission for his leukemia. That's great news. I thought that segment was really really well done. I thought, you know, I don't know if Reigns was speaking from the heart or not. It felt like he was, so that's good. Um, my only sour note was I was watching this and going, man, this is really good. Audience is in there with it. Probably a baby face for life. And then I look at my Gmail and they're selling merchandise based on it like a minute after it's done. And I'm like, they coordinated the media blast for this. And I, just, I found that tacky and it took me out of the moment for a while. But, uh, no, you can't be unhappy for the guy. You can be unhappy about the way the company handled it. But, uh, no, and it looks like uh, he's ready for physical action already since he had some uh, on this show. Yeah, and we're already setting up a future feud with Baron Corbin. And so on the premium episode of Shake Them Ropes which you can find at patreon.com/shakethemropes we talked about on the Andy Kaufman episode something involving the pile driver <laughs> causing cancer and i was watching the Baron Corbin thing and thinking back to Jeff Hawkins talking on that episode saying oh they would never be so tasteless as to try something with a cancer angle nowadays that would be a bridge too well, no, far well they did and they did here they we did are with, uh... Co- coming up to the rubicon no they did with dean and they did now with Corbin coming out of it. That they're they're shameless. If they can make money with something some way, they'll you know. One segment after, man. I know. <laughs> one well, look, one minute after. after after Roman's music hits, there's a there's a graphic in my box with a with a Live Strong bracelet knockoff and a shirt, you know, commemorating you know Roman's fight against cancer. So I mean, it, it's all just. You can't take it personally anymore. This is just what they do. They're in constant hustle mode. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but some grifts never end. That was my only point there. And also to work in a well-placed plug, easy for me to say, for the Patreon. So go and check that out, patreon.com slash shakethemropes. So up next, we then had Becky Lynch, right? Is that what came right after that? Or did we go to that revival match? No, I, I believe it was um, Becky. I mean, we don't need to do this in order anyways. We just go in the way that... Uh, yeah, sure. To, well, hold on. Well, I mean, if we're going to go in order of importance in terms of Raw, it, this, this, sure, we this can do Raw that too. was interesting because it was sandwiched by two great things. And it was kind of a mess in between. Uh, Dave Batista and his skinny jeans are back. This was awesome. This main event angle had the potential to go into Lameville very easily and self-indulgent, and instead, this was a great 
out of nowhere swerve. And my favorite part of this was that Batista had the blue sunglasses. A callback to evil blue Batista. AEW, I guess, had flirted with the thought of Batista, at least, when he announced it. And I, I think this was a move in response to The Undertaker in some ways. Uh, I think they probably upped the offer and thought that they needed Batista in the, in the fold. Uh, my favorite part was him dragging the cameraman. I thought that was a spectacular shot to open with because it swerved me because I thought it was going to tie into the Becky, Ronda, Charlotte thing. And instead they did the callback to the uh, Evolution promo where uh, Hunter's beaten everybody except me, which which was a cool promo that they did. Um, was it for the Raw 100 or whatever the app. Yes, right, right, yeah, and, and it was just kind of left to linger mm-hmm. for a good yeah. long time, and, and we, we never revisited it. I initially thought it was going to be Becky who attacked Ric Flair as a way of sending her message to Charlotte yeah. and also kind of a callback to that questionable interaction between Becky and Ric Flair. Now we're even. Now the question is, does this overshadow the Becky program to build up Hunter's match? Because it's... It's one of those weird things that Hunter always has to have the big match. It confuses the message of the McMahon family and what the hell this family is. Because we now have Hunter doing this thing where he's a baby face, but it confuses the Becky stuff. Vince is in there doing weird stuff. Stephanie is all of a sudden kind of a baby face and aligned with Shane, who is involved in a tag team championship angle. I think that top level of management's kind and of And Vince muddy McMahon is now right full now. on heel, I guess, because he's just after right, saying, right. you you know what? We're not going to do that stuff anymore. Dave Batista, the guy that you would expect as a special guest star coming back, would be cheered. They're trying to make him into the heel. It, it's very kind of weird in terms of the casting of all this. Yeah, well, you have like an internecine war happening informally at this point, not kind of full-on declared thus far between Vince, who is a heel figure, clearly, and then the rest of the kids, I'm including Hunter in this, who are all kind of, in varying degrees, baby mm-hmm. faces. Uh, yet they still have to play authority figures out there. And, and that that's actually a nice transition into this, uh, into the way that uh, they're going to build the women's program for the main event at, at Mania. Right before Hunter was getting cheered, he was talking about how Becky got arrested mm-hmm. to fairly vigorous booze, yeah. and that kind of highlights the tension perfectly, and, and that is the crux of this angle. Becky is kind of a little bit Stone Cold Steve Austin here, you know, taking the law into her own hands and getting arrested, and that's how we're getting the heat on Becky. Yeah, she gets arrested. Ronda Rousey abdicates her title, it looks like, because they won't give her her way. And then it looks like, I guess, as as a result of the SmackDown promo, I think Charlotte's getting crowned women's champion on, on Monday. Raw women's champion. Um, I, Let's talk about the Ronda promo. I did not like this Ronda promo. Me neither. It came off as petulant. Yes. Yes, thank you. Nobody else. I, I talked to people about that. No, no, it's just her being... This out of here. Once she got past this is old school ch- baby face was the thing I was getting. Like this is uh, I'm bigger than this company. I don't need this shit. Pardon my French. It, this is uh, I, I'm bigger than them. I I made my money. I was like, no. This normally I'm 
not necessarily adverse to taking a crap on the brand a little bit or knocking them down a peg, but this was way gratuitous. This is Ronda Rousey saying, this company is second rate. I made all my money elsewhere. Everyone else here who works at this company that all of you, the audience, are seeing all the time, they're all dumbass pawns. I'm the only smart person, male or female, in this whole damn company. And I don't need your title. And, oh, by the way, I want what I want when I want it. Now give it to me. You know what? It's weird because that's the part where she was alone. And and I get that and I understand that. And that didn't turn me off as much as the interaction with Stephanie, which more came off a different kind of petulant to me. It came off as that uh, a 15-year-old rebelling against the parents who won't let her go out at night. And you don't understand. This is the one time in my life that, that it's important to me. Do this for your daughters. Never gonna, that also was ridiculous. I'm never going to be this young again. i got to be free, and you can't do this to me. This is the biggest match of my life. You got to, you know, it was what that about kind your kids? of. Remember when you were a kid? This would be so good for your kids. Oh, and then that tying it in, and then tying it into the whole ev- revolution. Yeah, that part. But it just came off as. I'm watching this and watching her basically beg to Stephanie. I'm going, God, you're weak. You are so weak. You it was like the six I stages will- of grief. Honestly, that's what was going on there. It, it was like she went through denial, then she went through bargaining, mm-hmm. then she went through rage, and then she went through acceptance and relinquished her title. If, if the badass of the first part of that promo were in the second half of that promo, she would have said, just bring me every woman you got in that locker room and I'll kill them right now you know instead of just going it's been a problem with the ronda rousey babyface promos though because yeah. they were showing on smackdown tonight that other a champion comes out and fights all the time and there's just a tone thing that ronda does that i don't think she's trying to do and she's doing it and it pushes me away yeah it's in that upper register and it it, it comes off as whiny as opposed to as as opposed to assured you know, when you're assured, you kind of have that, you know, you, you talk a little slower, your voice gets a little lower. When you're nervous, and I think it's partly that, I think it's partly stage fright, and you're rushing through your lines, and you go into a bit of a upper octave because you're rushing your lines a bit, and so you get into your upper register of your voice, and it sounds a little bit more whiny than you'd like to do it, and you're really rushing it, so you're breathing in the middle of it, so you're... You're speaking <sighs> from the core on this, Hawkins. I, this yes, is, no. I feel like we're getting to some real shit right now. Well, no, 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 no. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I suffered... Trust me, dude, I did live comedy for a number of years. When I did stand-up, when I was first doing stand-up, I... I listened to myself on tape because you, you record yourself to hear how you're delivering jokes. And I found I was rushing through my material and I was speaking in this upper register. So I'd, I'd deliver all my jokes like this and I'd be trying to rush through the line so I could get through the joke because I was so scared I wanted to and get off the so stage. so much of it's about the delivery and you learn yeah. that when you're sitting yeah. back and listening to yourself in the editing room. That's something I had to catch too. Like I listened to the early stuff that I used to do and that is the biggest cringe factor for me it's not the content or the material some of it was like too ambitious or whatever but it's like the delivery and the way i'm speaking and yeah. it's and it started when she fumbled the line with stephanie because you could see she she was i forget it was like match or man or something like that and she mixed up her words a bit and she got a little flustered and she reset and then she started to barrel through it 
And I was just like, oh, she, she tries to, to cover down. up with anger too. Her, her yeah. go to things aren't going quite right move is to ramp it up to 11 because yes. that'll turn this thing around. Yes. No, exactly. It's, it's just she needs to calm down there and be assured of who the hell she is out there as opposed to just trying to get through the lines because she's trying to re- see she's an actress who's trying to remember her lines rather be rather than an actress who's trying to convey tone and that's that's the difference between someone who's a great actor and, and a bad actor is the words don't matter the delivery Stick to is, the bull is what points. does yeah right because you can always answer the to the McMahons afterwards by saying I forgot a few lines here but I remember the bullet points and if you do that and you do well enough that is sort of the brass ring territory that Vince will allow people to go for well she didn't connect the emotion to the words she had the words also, and she didn't ginger connect the emotion douche. can we talk about <laughs> ginger douche you caught that phrase? too holy God. crap Ugh. holy it's crap just, just an ugly phrase uh, yeah, especially women talking about each other like that. Ginger, I wasn't just thinking about red. I was also just thinking about, you know, like the root ginger. And uh, yeah, anyways, we should move on. Um, so let's talk about Tucker and Otis. Now, good time to talk about Tucker and Otis. <laughs> so I'm going to take the slightly controversial position here and say that you liked I thought that this was not bad. Yeah. Here's why. So the alternative, Jeff, the normal go-to WWE move here with Tucky and Otis is to put them in the ring against the Ascension. And who the hell wants to watch that crap? So this did the Ascension squash match, and it did it in like a minute. And yes, it was kind of stupid, but we also moved heavy machinery a little bit away from you can't just make jokes about them. And that was a good thing because they were already kind of lending themselves to being a bit of a punchline. The Lacey Evans thing did not help one bit, but this at least made Otis look like a bulldozer. I think you were comparing him to Ram Man, or I was comparing him to the Kool-Aid Man. Either one works. <laughs> Point being, like, at least now we've put over that Otis's tackle was no joke. Uh, let, me, let me give you some pushback here, because I disagree with you. I think this is the typical WWE build of a Jesse, or Fe- a Jesse and Festus, or something like that. One guy's the smart guy, the other guy's the dumb guy prone to being angry when pushed. And that's what they did with this. You know, don't don't make my brother angry. He's dumb, but he's, you know, he'll he'll kill you if, if you make him angry enough. And then he's just prone to these. This is the we take care of each other inside and outside the ring thing. And it's of mice Tucker. and men in wrestling. Yeah. It's of a, a, a mice and, it's and he's Lenny. definitely that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just, it's it's one of those things where I think Otis is far, they, it, my fear was they are going to turn him into a Chris Farley character, and he's a Chris Farley character. Right, and, and I agreed with you on that fear, and I don't have high hopes for where heavy machinery ends now, and it's clear that they're never going to give those guys the time in the ring to really display their skills. Because if you're really going to book heavy machinery, right, if you want to get over them as heavy machinery, they would have a squash match against two tag teams. That there would be four jobbers on the other side of the ring, and heavy machinery would just obliterate those four guys. The the Ryback push. 
Yes, right, exactly, with those two dudes. And you would just show them tossing around people like wrecking machines. But, I mean, you know, that's the problem with the Ascension thing. We would build up to the Ascension, and they would just obliterate the Ascension. <laughs> Maybe even have the Ascension show up with more people the next week. Was this better or worse than Blue Collar Strong? I think this is better than Blue Collar Strong. That okay. that initial promo where they were out there just saying a bunch of random catchphrases that don't exist, and as I did some research after the fact, the only example I could find of Blue Collar Strong existing in the wild linguistically before last week is in reference to collared t-shirts or collared dress shirts. Well, here's why it didn't connect with me all that much. is because, look, if, if you're saying that my brother is out there dumpster diving for cheeseburgers, I'm going to punch you. I'm not going to say, oh, don't say that about him. You know, he'll get angry at you. It it came off as Tucker being weak as well, and you're just like, "Uh, is that what it's going to be? It's going to be Tucker, the bigger guy, trying to, you know, be a good wrestler, and then all of a sudden Otis goes into a rage and gets the hot tag and stuff. I'm I'm just like, ugh. I didn't have high hopes for them. I think this is a slightly higher step than the Bushwhackers of last week, but... No, it has to be, right? Like, that yeah. that was pretty much as bad as it could have been. Like, the Lacey Evans stuff was just... It was bad, right? Um, this was better than that, but we're already way off into the negative zone that you and I were worried about when they were first brought up to the roster. Yeah. Let me talk about a good actor on this on this roster. Leo Rush. Leo Rush yeah. is a hell of an actor in terms of when he's not playing, you know, hyped up, obnoxious guy, when he has to play toned down and real, he delivers subtlety like he's no got one good else facials, on this roster. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Concern his thinking. You can see the wheels turning in his head as a character with the not ramped up. Ha ha! Stuff when when it's anything other than that, you see a lot of nuance with what Rush brings to the table. I and like t- Leo Rush a lot. I'll tell you why I think he's also this way. Because as they say, the best heels are usually just guys who are playing heels, but they're nice guys in real life. If you read his Twitter feed, he's one of the best dads I've ever seen. I, I absolutely adore the videos he's been doing with his kid in terms of p- dropping him off at school. Okay, what do you need to learn today? And that kid is great i i'm i am such a it's weird because you hear things about his attitude problems and things like that backstage but man i i loved leo rush this week quite a bit i i thought i thought especially in comparison They're doing the to- bullying angle we were talking about they might do with lashley where lashley's starting to push leo rush around a little bit well, especially in comparison to the just gaudy crap that was at Alexa Bliss segment, where she, where uh, they continue to make her sex pot talk show host, and it's just it's killing her to me. That set everyone back, right? Like we've now turned Finn Balor into let's just look at his abs, that character, and then once again we have Alexa Bliss, the sex object, suggesting that she's going to show her what what. And then to have Corey on commentary putting that We got over. denied that. Well, I wanted to see her wah-wah. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, and, 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 and Corey should not be saying those types of lines in this <laughs> in his current timeline. No offense to him, but I, I think he's had enough problems being uh, 
Yeah, he has enough issues. These right are lines now, that honestly do don't that. really need to be on commentary. Like, Alexa doesn't yeah. need to be saying any of this to begin with, and the whole thing's just... You don't need someone yelling, she's The internet's hot, going wild hot, right hot. now over relationshiping these two. She's going to show her boobies you know it's like i'm trying to keep it clean but it's it's it it was it felt i felt creeped out listening to that segment and yeah it it was just it it didn't do much for me but i liked anything that makes me think of that old ecw 1996 was barely legal the night kimono danced on top of the ecw arena those of you of a certain age know exactly what i'm talking about anything that makes me think of that is is not a good sign in terms of good content for current wwe television do you like the story they're telling with uh, Dean Ambrose getting saved by his Shield brethren, even though they even though they didn't really save him? They came out to beat everybody up, but they left Dean laying in the corner and just walked away. Do you like that? It makes me think that there's something else afoot with Dean Ambrose that what we're not going to get is a happy Shield reunion. Oh, I think the we're fact getting that it. they, uh, yeah, maybe I I, I I'm still. Probably even in that direction, but I just thought it was notable that they didn't have any photos of Dean with Roman and Seth. Like, we were going to put that photo up on Raw. Well, we didn't want to go there. <laughs> it was funny to me because it's like, okay, Seth and Roman don't have to come down to save Dean, okay? Right. But they do... And then they just ignore him. They just leave the ring, and then they turn around after they've done it. I'm just like, all right, that's That's a not deliberative great choice. Scripting. Like, what is motivating yeah. that? That's what I'm saying. Like, they clearly yeah. there was a thought about that. And having Seth come out right after Roman finished the promo, but not Dean, that was a thing. So the question in my mind is, why did we make those blocking choices? Because those are deliberative yeah. and weird. Yeah, the blocking choice to me would be, you know, they, they offer to help Dean up and Dean shoves right. him away. Right. Yeah. Right. Something, some sort of thing. Like, they didn't want to touch that part of the story. Or or they go to help him up and they decide, you know what? We're not there yet, but we're working on it type of thing. I mean, if you've ever had a falling out with a friend, that first <laughs> that first interaction is very, very weird. It's uh, icy. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I've, I've, been there. I've talked about that on here. I had a falling out with my improv partner where we didn't speak for a year. And, and and he invited me to do a show, and I'm like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> it's like we get on stage, and then it's like it takes about 15 minutes for everything to kind of thaw out, and then after the show, we're just kind of like, "Well, that was okay," <laughs> kind of thing. It wasn't exactly, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't. Oh, know, we're you don't back. Go back. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you, you're not, not there bad. yet. Um, I had one other note about Raw, and it was something that it's. Wade Keller over on the torch harps on it all the time. It's something that I have come to notice, and that is babyface announcer condoning bad behavior or the possibility of bad behavior by babyface in the in the um, in in the motion of actually trying to win a match. And this is during the Nia Jax Bailey match, where. Corey is going on and on about, you know, Sasha's going to cheat for her to win. And Renee condones it and says, well, you got to do what you have to to win. No, 
No, I I didn't catch that line. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Bad pro wrestling. Bad pro wrestling. Bad, bad, bad. Ruthless aggression. I don't want Bailey to be ruthlessly aggressive. I don't. I want people who are good to win the correct way. I just, I, I could not believe hearing, hearing Renee, who is supposed to be the voice of uh, Renee. I. No, it's not working. You know, I, I initially was the like, show, let's I was give her to, a chance. Yeah, to say, no. fire her. I, I'm just, yeah. no. she, every, every chance she gets, she's adding something in there. And it's just like, let it breathe kids. But uh, yeah, no, that, that, uh, that threw me off. Tom Anything Phillips on- and Corey Graves solo on both Raw and SmackDown. Let's do that. Let's go with that. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, the Revival have lost another tag team match two weeks after. I don't know what to make of this other than the Revival are just transitional champions. Or no. the Revival are going on a honky-tonk man-like streak where they will hang on to the titles forever but lose a thousand times along the way. I disagree. I, I'm gonna. I, I think I know the thought process here. I just don't know if it's the best idea. They won the tag team titles, and now they're going. They've lost to Gargano and Ciampa, and now they've lost to Ricochet and Alistair Black. They're putting over the new guys. It's probably going to be a multi-team match at Mania. At Mania, yeah. Between them, Gable and Rude. And then these two teams to get the NXT guys on the card. Although, that although I don't know, I don't know how you do that with Gargano and Ciampa because of spoilers from the NXT tapings. Here, here's my problem. Well, that's have- why I don't think we saw them this week. I, I think that's kind of you know part of this is is that you know the Gargano Ciampa thing. They're like, oh, maybe we need to figure out what we're doing. I here hope down so the NXT because side. that because that's another thing is they they advertise that Cesaro match. For two days, and then they took that off the table. Right, right. But I want to get into this. And in comes Aleister Black and Ricochet to fill that void. So I, I think whatever was planned for Gargano and Ciampa might be ported onto Ricochet and Aleister Black, and now you can take back over. But no, but you're not building up the the revival. That's the problem is everybody well, has yeah, seen obviously. them as, as – Well, but, but they're the champions, and you're trying to build them up as – You know, you're trying to build up this tag team division, and I get that. I think a lot of people still don't know what the shattering machine is in that audience. I, I don't know that the shattering machine is fully established with that crowd. I, I don't even need that. I just need them to think that the revival is good, and I don't think we're there yet either. I think people who know know that establishing good. their finishing move would be a part of that. That would be too. Like. They need a they need a squash or two to establish that. Right? Move. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Like they people don't know what they're looking for yet with the revival if they didn't watch NXT. And frankly, a lot of the stuff on the main roster has been so disjointed, or these matches are constantly interrupted by a commercial break. You don't get the time to really get into the flow. With the one exception of that Raw that closed with a tag team title match. Let me let me ask you this because this was my someone asked me my opinion of Raw. Um, and my opinion was two great segments bookended this. But everything else was just throwing people out there willy-nilly. I mean, you had, you know... Oh, no, Jinder Mahal was... That was great usage of Jinder Mahal. How can you well, say that? I, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, like, all... You, you know how they have have segments that bleed? 
where it's like, okay, the women are out there, and now we're going to put in, you know, we're going to send out the next guy who's going to be doing the thing, right. and then we're going to send out Lacey Evans for no reason, and then the revival going to come out, and then this guy and that guy and that guy and this guy. It was almost like it was made for, and I don't mean any offense by this, but it was like it was very ADHD. It was very just just we don't want a moment for you to breathe. We're just going to okay, after it's this match is over. It's a child's version of storytelling. Yes, yeah, it's the a next child's guy version of storytelling where it's like and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and yeah. then this happened and then this happened and it's like oh my god, slow down. Yeah. No, I I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, no, I I feel very similar. I I thought that on balance raw was actually better than a lot of episodes of Raw we have watched and reviewed recently here. It was just a more joyful oh, yeah. experience for me. Uh, and, and that final angle, when Batista showed up, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I was smiling. I, I had I had the satisfied storytelling smile on my face. Okay, this is cool. This, I was starting to connect some dots, and they didn't have to clobber me over the head with that Hunter and Batista promo for me to kind of go like, oh, yeah, there we go. Both the the Roman Reigns thing and the the Hunter Batista thing were important, so important, so it felt like a better show. Yeah, right. And, and it, Raw was important. It didn't just feel important. It was right. important. This is an important yeah. episode with Roman Reigns coming back and saying he's not dying of cancer. And then obviously Batista returning at the end of the episode is a really big deal. And you know, shout out to Nature Boy for finding a way to have a lot of fun on his seventieth birthday party. <laughs> Shooting a wrestling angle. That is that is a gamer right to the end, my man. Speaking of returns, we had one on SmackDown as well. Kevin Owens is back, and he has been inserted into the main event picture, pulling the rug out from underneath Kofi. And so this opening segment, I really liked it. My one criticism of this is I would have liked to have seen Kofi come out in a suit looking real sharp and yeah. ready to be champion. And, and here's why. There's, there's a few different reasons. Um, first and foremost, I'd like the idea of Kofi in a suit to kind of show that he's not doing the standard New Day, clap and cheer and smiling like he wants to really be champion. I want the contrast between hoodie, dirty, ratty-looking Daniel Bryan versus guy who has been in this company and grinding away for the last 11 years, Kofi Kingston, who's in a suit, who wants this, who wants the job promotion. Then I want Kevin Owens coming out dressed like he's dressed. And again, getting this opportunity. I thought Kevin Owens played the scene spot on perfect. And then at the end of the scene, I just want a deflated Kofi Kingston standing in his winner suit, having to like process what just happened to him right here in this moment. But otherwise, I really liked the segment. I mean, obviously, the Vince coming in and asserting himself as a heel has created some issues with the management layer of this universe that I'm not wild about right now. But I loved Kevin Owens playing everything as neutral as humanly possible. It was like a character study in neutrality. Just coming down there and stoically signing his name on the contract and pointing to Daniel Bryan and telling him to sign the contract. And I liked Daniel Bryan's nonverbal facial reactions to this. Smug and amused, um, but also kind of perplexed by Kevin Owens. I absolutely love your idea of suits, and I'll give you another reason why. Is that when the New Day were first formed, and they're kind of they're kind of toying with the black separatist angle. They were coming out in suits, and they were they were basically railing against the thing that they are now. 
Oh, we're not going to be the dancing, wacky black guys. We are smart, you know. I'm Xavier Woods. I have a doctorate in education, you know, that kind of thing. They were dressing in suits originally. I would have, yeah, I would have really liked that as not only just a callback, but we're addressing the seriousness and the gravity of this situation and what a big opportunity it is. It would have, I think you're exactly right. It would have made Kofi's crestfallenness at it being taken away from him after he's treating it so important, that much more tragic. I'm going to also put over the New Day's reaction to it being taken away. Really great. Sure, they were shouting, you know, he's been here 11 years and stuff, but you could see genuine anger and frustration out of Xavier Woods during that time. And I, I really enjoyed that part. And just the slow burn of Kofi while watching Kevin Owens just kind of almost a staring contest measuring Daniel Bryan's reaction to all this. Everything about that segment was really great. My, my issue is, yeah, my, my issue is Vince McMahon. This is this is the Charlotte Becky angle as well. Yes, just yeah, right. It's complete it. rehash. I, yeah. I mean, and that makes me think there's going to be some sort of twist or rue to make this different yeah. from the Charlotte Becky angle, but I do find the opening salvo to be lazy. Yeah, and the juxtaposition of Kofi in a suit with Kevin Owens dressed as he is would have been nice, too. Right. Like, this is right. what you think I, yeah, a champion that, is? That's where the suit really would have done a lot of extra lifting here, and, and even when he's delivering the promo. Picture him in the suit versus the neon green with the pancakes yeah. and all of the BS. Just sitting there and speaking from the heart for, like, 90 seconds. I I just think we could have went to a different layer with Kofi Kingston. And one other thing that I would like to see happen, he comes out to SOS. So that we get a real through line here where this is about something bigger than the New Day. This is about Kofi and about his career. And we're drawing this big through line here. You, you know what he is. I'll, I'll make a movie corollary. If, if you put him in the suit, he's Joe Pesci going to get made. In good yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's my big day. Oh, we're all so proud of you. And then he gets into the room, shot in the back of the head. <laughs> it's, it's it's the metaphorical equivalent. It be it would have been it would have been a little bit better. I thought. Yes, I, I I completely agree. So it's just a small thing, but otherwise, I really liked it. And as I said before, Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan played this. Darn near perfectly. Do we want to talk about the main event part of the angle first, or do you want to do the rest of the show? Uh, we can do the main event part of the angle, since we're on it already. Yeah, so the swerve in the main event here was no swerve. It was about getting Kevin Owens really established as a babyface, which this crowd was super lukewarm on. They were constantly waiting. They were waiting for the turn. Yes, they are waiting you know for the turn. You got to give WWE props for that. Because oh, it's smart. Because if the audience is ahead of you on it, then then they're going. But and you deny them, it, it's even better. I I still don't know if he's going to be a babyface because judging by those promos and the bowling alley and things like that, as family man, yeah, it, it looks like they're digging up with the use of the stunner. He's blue collar family guy. Is that what you got out of That was a very interesting twist, right? That's where I was going next is, then he went to the stunner, and I was like, huh. And at the end of the match, him and Kofi are talking, and I think from my lip-reading theater, I was able to make out, when I win the title, you get the first shot. Yes. 
Yes. No, I agree with that. that. That's what I also interpreted as well. So you add all of that together, and I think at bare minimum, WWE is going to string us along until enough people are biting on him as a babyface before they screw over Kofi. But I liked not going there this week. And let me just say, babyface Kevin Owens, very down for this. His comeback, those slaps on Eric Rowan. When he did those chops, I was like, oh, yes. I am so into this. I am ready for Kevin Owens to be back, and I'm very glad that he is. And Eric Rowan's improved as well. I mean, he's Boy, hasn't he. He's adding new stuff. He's never going to be amazing, amazing, but he's clearly a student of the game, ain't he? For a guy of his size, and he was out here in L.A. uh, last weekend because a friend of mine went to a small – Brian Kendrick's students ran a show out here in the Valley, and Eric Rowan came in to watch. So, uh, you know, he's still watching and learning young kids and and learning from them, but also adding his own thing. So, I mean, I I have nothing – for a big man – he he's always looking to improve and change his gimmick. Whatever, whatever version of Eric Rowan you get is always he's a little bit different his match than the one style before. Entirely, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. just it, it's not appreciated because this new gimmick is not really fleshed out at this point. But the one thing that is very clear from just this tag match tonight: one, he didn't have to hide behind Daniel Bryan. It wasn't like Daniel Bryan needed to do all the work here. Eric Rowan was able to come in and be very good, and he's just. He's a different guy than when he was Eric Rowan the Wyatt. He's moving completely differently. Before we do the rest of SmackDown, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor this week, Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Shake Them Ropes a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint. To help build your portfolio, sign up at shake.robinhood.com. That's shake.robinhood.com. That code will not last forever. Get on that as soon as you can, and that'll let you know, let them know that you love us, and we love them back, and we thank Robin Hood for their continued patronage of Shake Them Ropes. Thanks, Robin Hood. So, next we had a tag match between Alistair Black and Ricochet versus Nakamura and Rusev. I feel like Alistair Black and Ricochet, as I mentioned before, are going to be the featured tag team in this call-ups and that this pairing is going to last for a while. Oh, I don't. I'm I'm really? on the other end. I think they're eventually going to... I think Alistair Black eventually turns on Ricochet and they, that becomes a singles program. I, I think yes, they go for a little SummerSlam. bit. May, but yes. but I think they're winning the titles at some point during this run. I I, I think oh. that they Smackdown they want to keep Raw. the sack around. Smackdown. Smackdown. I think they're on Raw. Smackdown. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they're I'm on both right now. They're go, they're going oh, both that's true. back and forth. That's true. But I'm gonna say Smackdown. But I I think they're gonna win titles at some point. I'm here for the Usos match. Duo. I am here for yeah, the Usos me match too. with these two. Absolutely. No. I, yeah. That's the thing is. I, I, but but no, you're right. At some point, you're gonna want to turn Alistair Black heel. 
and start pushing Ricochet. But you also have to clear up the title picture first, too. And so that's why I think they put this tag team together, and they've now given us a bunch of feature matches with these dudes, and they're putting them over really strong. Yeah, the Nakamura-Rusev team is, this is their slot. I liked Rusev calling them rookies uh, the entire yes. time. I yeah, thought yeah, that was a yeah, nice yeah, little touch. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I know where people are going to go. They really want a Nakamura-Ricochet or Nakamura-Alistair Black four-star, five-star classic. You're not going to oh, get from, that from this Nakamura. You, you you want you want that? From, no. From this, do, do they have a time machine? Then are we gonna we gonna we yeah. gonna go back to the, like 2012. We 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 got a yeah. time machine we're going to on WrestleMania. This is not New Japan Nakamura. Nakamura is getting the checks, doing the road, and doing uh, doing his moves and getting out of there. So don't Jeff. Uh, let me just. Uh, this is an important fact with Nakamura that I think a lot of people don't realize. He, I don't know if he still is, but for a very long time was an extremely heavy smoker. He just turned 39 this week. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to put on good but not great, and that's all the WWE with America. He's fine exactly with what he's doing right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to think we're going to have a couple of singles matches, mixing and matching in the next few weeks with the, these four Continue to build them while they do things on Raw to build up the tag team title match. It's fine with it. Ricochet and and uh, Alistair Black. You'd like to see them. Uh, like to see them get put over with le- fewer catchphrases. I think on commentary, but uh, the crowd has started to warm up to them, so it, it's getting the job done. Yeah, and I think if you just flush them out a little bit in singles matches too along the way here because eventually you want to build them up into a rivalry as we were talking about here and have them out there kind of hanging out ringside and being friends with each other, that's a good way to really cement this relationship with the audience as a babyface thing. People like supportive people. That's a good thing. Slightly notable on this episode of SmackDown was the previously advertised singles match between Johnny Gargano and Cesaro. That did not happen. I would presume it's because it's to keep continuity with the NXT storyline going into TakeOver in Brooklyn. So instead, speaking of contracts, the Hardys contract has been rolled over for another year. So they are in the WWE fold for at least one more year. And we got the return of Matt Hardy onto the roster as part of the tag team division. Uh, I think... I don't think this is permanent. I think this is probably just for the Charlotte, North Carolina hometown pop type of thing. Uh, Matt Hardy was uh, noticeably limping going up those stairs, even though he looks like he's dropped some weight and got pretty cut. Yeah, yeah, he both looks very good, but I know the leg thing continues to be an issue for him, or the leg and hip thing continues to be an issue for him. It had been my hope that he was going to be able to get some worked on on that and get that to a better place but it is what it is at this point in his career what I want to see Matt Hardy doing is more talking and less wrestling so get him into a managerial role or something like that let's have him doing things of that sort well I I think they view I think looking like he's hurting yeah I think they view the Hardys as part of building up the tag division on Smackdown kind of like what they're trying to do over on Raw so yes. they're, they're going to be that know, You also have the bar and stuff, too. But, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they want to have a babyface Chief Wahoo McDaniel tag team. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Wait, hold on. Who are you? Who are you comparing to Wahoo? Uh, the Hardys. The Hardys as like the not the champions. You're not going to probably put the belt on them except in some sort of like transitional manner. But they're kind of gatekeeper types, especially for heels. I was like, wow, are we comparing Jeff Hardy to Wahoo McDaniel? That's yeah. But I, I also think this is this is time to kind of. You, you build on Jeff's popularity while you don't put Jeff in a main event program. I think those days are... No, but uh, he I, can always be intercontinental U.S. champion type of guy yeah. as a transitional champion and be very over. And you can definitely still tell stories with him. He still looks like Jeff Hardy and still wrestles pretty good. <laughs> uh, speaking of the U.S. title, um, I... Hey, I totally forgot that R-Truth is the U.S. champion, I, and I know that I'm a host on this show, but that was a thing That's that I fine. had forgotten occurred. That's fine. I I denigrate them for bad comedy. This was good comedy by R-Truth. <laughs> what would John Cena do in this situation? John Cena's crazy. <laughs> Just, that was I, funny. I, Although slightly delegitimizing to the R-Truth thing, but I, I've also made my piece that they're never going to do anything other than zany R-Truth. Right, and and our truth is older than I am, which is just... which is what made the John Cena stuff so funny. Might I just say? Yeah, I think he's older than John Cena. I thought they were very clever in this match in a way to build the Andrade Ray feud while keeping the belt on our truth. I was, mes- I was thinking the whole time, how are they going to do that? Are they actually changing the title right now? And I, I thought, thought there's a real possibility they might. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. But it was a clever out that they did. I, I don't know who R-Truth eventually drops it to. I figured it might be. I, I actually thought Gargano was going to come out at first for this, and they might have yeah. belt him. And I kind of like Andrade as U.S. champion, because we need to get that guy going somehow. Yeah, he's doing a little bit too much 50-50 for my taste in terms of being a star. I want him a little bit more. I don't even know that he's trained. doing 50-50. He's doing like 40-60 right now. Uh, build, build him as being a little bit more in Gobernables, La Sombra style uh because while the Zelina Vega act is great it's not hot anymore and and they need to find a way to build them up they never developed again. her out as a character on the no. main roster they they don't no. even really they they're like it's his business manager but the way they say it and given such little context you just assume that that's a proxy for their inner relationship she, she, yeah she's the hot she's a hot woman who puts her fist up in the tranquil pose, and then on the way down the ramp is motivating him the whole time because apparently he he can't be motivated by just the match. Zelina has to yell at him all the way down. That That's pretty much what she does. Right, and that crowd also never got the whole Andrade Cien almost losing streak storyline yeah. or any of that stuff yeah. down in NXT. And so there's just really no justification for Zelina Vega. And and that makes it hard for this crowd to understand why they should be into her and why she yeah, it's should a be weird, a hot act. It's a again, we we went over this last week. It's a weird balancing act that they do where they don't want to do the entire retelling of the story that they told in NXT, but at the same time they bring them up and they don't do they don't really introduce what made them special in NXT. Because because you know Bailey and Sasha being prime prime examples, they have their own ideas for the main roster, and I, this is why I kind of fear they're they're looking for something with Alistair Black because they keep doing taglines with him. I, I forgot what it was this week. Oh, he's 
his story is he's he's a representative of people who have ever felt like misfits before and stuff, and you're just like, okay. Oh, is that what is uh, that what he is now? I, I didn't even catch that because last week he well, remember, was in between was good moody. and evil. He was right. moody. And he was last broody. Week. Right. He was an emo kid. He was he was raven last week. This week he also now all of his truths are tattooed on his body like that dude from Memento. Yeah, or or one of my favorite old shows, uh, Brimstone, which I I really dug back in the day. Yeah, no, it's 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 you want to see the story of my life? You know, they're all tattooed on my skin. <laughs> it's like okay, that's uh, that's an interesting. Some say that I have a tattoo for every opponent I beat in the ring. That'd actually be kind of cool. Be like Hakushi all over again. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's actually what they should have said all the symbols represented, is every single fallen opponent. Oh, man. That, that'd mm. be a nice little gimmick. Uh, what else on this show? Anything? I don't know that there is anything else on this show here. The we lack of... The, 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 I think SmackDown was... It was it, Kevin Owens was great. That Did appears, the Miz and Shane do anything on there this? Was, there was no, there was no Miz. There was no Asuka. There was, yeah. It, it was also, uh, there was no Gargano. It was kind of uh, notable for who wasn't on the show. The Usos weren't on, I don't think. Right, I, I missed right. a little bit. No, unless we I had a Lacey Evans cameo at one point. <laughs> what in the... I like Lacey Evans. I do. I, they're I'm, kind I'm of turning her, her into a baby face the more she does these they're, because she they're doesn't turning her do into a running joke. She's, she's a, a punchline too, right? Yeah. But like, she's also not doing anything to really get heat. Um, she's I not interrupting her- matches that people are super into. Like, if you want to get her to get heat, there needs to be the main event going on, and Lacey Evans interrupts the main event. You know what's weird? Okay, I'll bring this up because this was another note I had about commentary on Raw. They did a 180 on commentary about Lacey Evans because both Corey and Renee were putting her over as, oh, look at how stylish she is. Look at this. I think they changed her from heel to babyface in a week. I think that occurred. Yeah, I, I was definitely getting kind of babyface-ish vibes from Lacey Evans, which is just, it's so weird because she doesn't strike you as a babyface unless, unless the plan is long-term for her to feud with Charlotte. You know, I I thought that debuting her as the lady of NXT, that's a natural heel role, but her natural role is the Liberty Bell ex-Marine. Her story is so positive, feel yes. good, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's perfect for what WWE likes to do with overseas stuff, that having her as this rough-and-tumble ex-Marine, that sort of thing, and a mom, too, up against Charlotte Flair, the daughter of privilege and everything like that. That's at least a babyface storyline that seems like I could bite on. She's she's tall, which is why you kind of naturally want to think of her as a heel. And it's going to be interesting because I guess tentatively the plan was her and Asuka at Mania, which is an interesting choice because Asuka is so over as a badass. And Lacey's tough. I just don't know if she can get over tough that while women's doing the- right. On Asuka, I think, is a bridge too far. Well, it's also that com- combined with the dainty, you know, Southern Belle. Oh, I'm 
I'm so prison proper gimmick. That's what I'm saying. Like the I do declare punch out of nowhere, punching out Asuka. I think that that has the ability to like, especially at like Mania, if you're gonna do Asuka and Lacey, and for whatever reason you're going into this with Lacey as a baby face. I think when she hits that women's right, if if it doesn't look yeah, because they already because they view Asuka as the the, crowd boos the hell out of that, and but they also view Asuka as the baddest woman on this roster. I think other than Ronda Rousey, and maybe especially that Mania audience. Especially that yeah. audience from all over the world. Oh yeah, there the, there might be beach balls going up around if they're in trouble. But uh, I think that's going to end it for the main roster, unless you had something else. I don't. I don't. So now is the time of the show where I tell you to follow us on Twitter. You can do that by going to at Shake Them Ropes. Jeff is Crap Game C R A P G A M E thirteen. I'm at C H R I S N O V. E-M-B-R-I-N-O. And if you have a moment, go on to iTunes and Stitcher and leave Shake Them Ropes a review. My other shows are Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at don'tworry.tv and also on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Don't Worry About the Government. Go and check that out, covering all the town halls all through the selection. And then my other other show is the All in the Family podcast. We've got an episode taped. It will be out sometime this week. I'm now over my cold, so I can do all the V over work that I have to do here. And you can find that at the all in the family podcast.com. I'm sorry, all in the family podcast.com. Jeff, did I forget anything? How did I do? Archie Bunker! No, um, uh, so you can also uh, sign up for the Patreon HTTP slash colon slash slash patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Uh, the idea for our next episode is going to be the first wrestling tape I ever rented. I've sent Chris the link. We're going to go over that. And uh, also, we'd like to thank Robinhood for their patronage. That's shake.robinhood.com. Go there, get your free stock. We'll see you on Thursday. For, Jeff uh, gives out web addresses with HTTP. I couldn't believe I did that. I am so angry at myself because I'm, I'm not even reading it. I'm such an idiot right now. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.